When I first came to East Chestnut Street way back in 1998, um, I got a word of advice from Brother Glenn Roth. That word of advice was, you need to always wear a tie when you preach at East Chestnut Street. <laughs> Oddly enough, all the ties are packed in the truck. Um, I'll leave it to you to decide whether that was an accident or intentional. I've been listening to love songs lately. Wise men say, only fools rush in, but I can't help falling in love with you. Let my love open the door to your heart. Sad songs, some of them, wistful. Raucous songs, too. Just a hunk, a hunk of burning love. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say that that's the first time that's ever been sung from a Mennonite pulpit, at least in Lancaster, perhaps not in Wisconsin. Uh, anyway, love's been on my mind because um, there are some things I want to tell you, uh, things I need to tell you, love songs I need to sing to you, for you, with you. Uh, why does love got to be so sad? It is such a risk. It is such a risk. Opening ourselves up to love. Making our hearts available to someone. Knowing that with the tiniest gesture, they can break that heart. Trusting that they will handle it with gentleness and with great care. Not gentleness or care born from fear, though that may be the first motive. First, do no harm, as the doctors used to say. No, even if that gentleness and that care were born in fear, the fear of causing harm, over time, they become grounded in love. The tentative hand learns to caress. The vulnerable heart learns to be caressed. We learn to open ourselves. We learn to receive the openness of others. We learn how to engage in the risky business of loving and being loved. We consider the risk, and with God's help, we let love open the door to our hearts. It's not an easy thing to do. It is, I believe, I believe, our highest calling. We proclaim that God is love, that God so loved the world, that Jesus came to redeem it. Love brought the world into being. Love will bring about the healing of the world. From beginning to end, the scripture recounts the story of God's love, making rough places plain, crooked places straight, and in every way making it possible for us to return to that love. The call to love one another. To love our neighbor as we love ourselves, to love our enemies is not some divine effort to keep things a little more friendly, uh, a little more tidy, so that God has a little bit less to do when Redemption Day comes. The call to love is not some secondary call, a subcategory of some other greater calling. The call to love is, I believe, the most central, most important, most Christian call. It's the whole of the law. It's the gospel. Love God. Love your neighbors, love your enemies, love God, love your neighbors, love your enemies. Be perfect as God is perfect. Love. The call to love is also, I think, the hardest call that we've been given. Um, love is entirely countercultural, counterintuitive, counterhuman nature. 
Love makes demands upon us that are simply beyond us and so causes us to call on the Lord for help. Love takes us places that even the angels won't go. Love commands us to enter the valley of the shadow of death and so reminds us that we need God to accompany us as we go. Love breaks down all the walls that we human beings have erected, walls that keep somebody out, walls that keep somebody in, walls that protect, walls that defend, walls that, um, well, we build. The gospel tells us that the incarnate love of God has already broken down those walls and commands that we recognize that, that we remember that, and so walk right on through them. Love insists that we take the risk and walk through such human constructs that we dare extend ourselves beyond every such human boundary and love all we find on the other side because those dear ones are already claimed by Christ. They are already part of Christ's work in the world and so are sisters and brothers of ours whether they know it or not. Love calls us to give everything away. Love calls us to lay down our lives and pick up Christ's cross. Love calls us to put others before ourselves. Love calls us to unlearn the ways of empire and to learn instead to become like Jesus, loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, self-controlled. Love calls us to speak the truth. Love calls us to stop being afraid or anxious or fretful and instead learn to trust God fully for everything that we need. When everything else has passed away, when everything else has passed away, there will be love. This is what we're called to, this love. It's our first calling, because I believe it is only as we love and only as we learn to love that we become like Jesus. This is Christ's commandment to us, that we love God, that we love our neighbors as ourselves, that we love our enemies. If we learn these things, if we practice these things, we become more and more and more like Jesus. The call to love is at the very heart of the gospel. The call to love is also very, very hard to fulfill. As I said last week, I believe that it's here in the congregation that we learn how to be Christians. In this case, I believe that it is here in the congregation that we learn to love. I believe that God has brought us together so that we can learn how to love. And as we all know, even in the congregational setting where we all get along reasonably well with each other, it's not an easy thing to love. Not in the full gospel sense of that word. Even this here in this community, it's hard to be gentle with each other. It can be hard to be patient with each other. It can be really hard to put the needs of someone else in front of our own. To break down the barriers that we've constructed over the years. Social barriers, racial barriers, theological barriers, political barriers, barriers of taste and preference, worldview barriers, and on and on they go. It is not easy to keep on breaking those barriers down, to keep on recognizing that the one on the other side of the wall is our dear sister in Christ, our dear brother in Christ, and so is ours to love. It's not easy even here to speak the truth in love, to disagree vigorously while staying in loving relationship. Even here in the congregation, it's not easy to love. But God has called us together so we can do just that, so we can learn how to love, so we can practice loving, so we can daily grow to be more like Jesus so we can extend our love to all we meet, and so bear witness to the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, and so be bearers of the good news. Now before going on, let me just say that, well, I'm aware that over the years I've developed something of a reputation for going off in the occasional rant 
Um, usually about the empire or the church in America or the two together, which they tend to be so often. Never let it be said, never let it be said that I'm not the kind of preacher to stop riding a hobby horse just because it's grown weary and a bit worn around the edges. <laughs> so just for you, one last Ron Adams rant. Now back to the topic at hand. Love, as we proclaim it, as we seek to embody it, as it is described to us in the scripture, love that was made flesh and dwelt among us, that love does not compute in the empire. Bits and pieces of it do. The marketable bits and pieces do. But the fullness of that love, the self-sacrificial bit, the bit about loving enemies, the bit about breaking down walls, those bits of the love described in the gospel, they simply do not compute in the empire. Which means that when we take what we've learned in the congregation out into the world around us, we shall be considered odd, strange, alien. Because we love not as the empire tells us to, but as Christ loves us. And we all know where Christ's way of love got him. He was declared seditious, traitorous, blasphemous, unfaithful, a sinner, and he was killed because of it. Now there's some risk for you. This love we're called to may well get us killed. Or if not killed, marginalized. If not marginalized, ostracized. If not ostracized, excommunicated. Because here's the thing. Anymore, it's no easy thing to tell the difference between the kind of love that's endorsed by the empire and the love that's practiced by the capital C Church in America. The church in the USA is sometimes best known for its bigotry, for its knee-jerk condemnations, for its allegiance to the state, its gospel of prosperity for those who have, and the hard face it too often turns toward the weak, the poor, and the vulnerable, for the tolerance, its tolerance of violence, its support for oppression, its bowing before the military, and its bitter hatred of the other, broadly defined to include everybody from Muslims to liberals, from the not white to the not straight, from the socialist to the atheist. We may disassociate ourselves from that American Christianity, and well, we should, but we can't pretend that it doesn't exist. And we cannot fail to discern how closely the love exhibited by that church looks just like the love endorsed by the empire, a love that bears little resemblance to the love embodied by Jesus, little resemblance to the radical, risky, dangerous love that we are called to. And neither can we pretend that that distorted imperial love so evident in the broader American church has not influenced our own Mennonite church, USA. We too like walls around our love. We too can be quick to judge and to condemn. We too can easily turn a blind eye to poverty, to oppression, to the causes and effects of violence. We too have become far too cozy with empire and have become much more likely to hedge our bets and place at least some of our trust in our own abilities or our own agencies or our own wallets. And we too can readily marginalize those seeking to be more faithful and loving the way Christ loves us. We too can be quick to turn against those whose love puts ours to shame. We too can be scandalized and so seek to stamp out those acts of love which reach beyond the boundaries that we've so carefully tended. We too can seek to push out or push away those who insist that the love Jesus calls us to is for all people. No exceptions, no excuses. We too can forget that the love of Jesus is not only for people like us, 
but is also and maybe especially for those that the church has excluded, whether intentionally or unintentionally. And we too can be hard on those among us seeking to love as Christ loved, and so find ourselves in the rather awkward place of the Pharisees and the Herodians, those rule-bound tenders of the boundaries, the stern judges of all of those who go too far. Even in the Mennonite Church, we will encounter resistance to our efforts to love as fully as the gospel calls us to love. Even in our own denomination, we may find ourselves marginalized for seeking to love as heedlessly as Jesus did. To love fully, to love according to the gospel, to love as God loves us in Christ Jesus may very well have consequences. But it is that love we are called to. Called to love first, last, and always. And trust God to do the rest. That's not easy. As Paul said so beautifully, we really do only see a little bit. We see only shadows. We see only dimly. We see only as if in a mirror set in a dark room. Glimpses of the whole picture. That's what we see. Which means we can really only guess what this love I've been going on and on about looks like. Where it leads. Where it will take us only dimly, partially. Now one response to this partial vision this incomplete vision would be to play it safe, to draft a set of rules for proper loving, rules that tell us who to love, how to love, rules for what to do when love is not reciprocated, rules for when to stop loving another. We could understand love to be something that needs to be protected and preserved, something in scarce supply and so best kept locked away, kind of like that steward who took his Lord's treasure and buried it so that if nothing else, he'd have at least that much to offer the Lord when the Lord returned. We could tell ourselves that since so much remains unclear, we would do best to be careful, not too generous, not too free, because we don't want to risk stepping out of bounds. After all, who knows what lurks there deeper in the shadows. This is, I think, the way we so often are. We so often are. We're good law-abiding folks. We know the rules. We found them in the Bible. Better to love less and stay pure than to love too much and become unclean. But didn't Jesus show us another way? Didn't Jesus reveal that love is of more value than cleanliness? Didn't Jesus make it a practice to love everyone with no apparent regard for whether or not such love was considered appropriate? Didn't Jesus eat with tax collectors and other sinners? Didn't he engage in theological debates with women whose communities considered them to be unclean? Didn't Jesus take the risk of being labeled unclean himself for the sake of love? Which suggests to me that another response to this partial vision we now have would be to throw all caution to the wind and risk everything for the sake of love. To not withhold, not calculate, not preserve, not protect ourselves against accusations of prodigal love, but instead to love freely, extravagantly, even unwisely, and all for the sake of the love that we have seen revealed in Christ Jesus and to trust that when all is said and done, when we stand in Christ's presence someday, that Jesus will bless us for erring on the side of love. To believe with all our hearts that love really will cover a multitude of sins. What I'm getting at here, my dear sisters and brothers, is this. As you go from here, from this time and this place, may you expand the limits of your love. May you keep pushing the boundaries of love, practicing love in its fullness, Extending your love to everyone you meet with no qualifiers, no restrictions, no hesitations, no prerequisites other than that, well, 
She's a sister who is dear to Jesus. And so is mine to love. He is a brother who is dear to Jesus. And so is mine to love. It's my hope that you will not insist that sinners save themselves before you love them. But will instead love them and trust that whatever saving needs to be done will be done by Christ. That you won't insist that the one in need of healing get healed before you love him. But will instead extend your love freely. And trust that whatever healing needs to be done will be accomplished by Jesus Christ. That you will not insist that the one who is different from you must first become like you before they are loved. But will instead extend your love and welcome to all and know that whatever changing needs to be done, well, that's going to happen to all of us. And will be accomplished by Christ. It is my prayer that you will seek to be, as you have been so often in my time here, that you will seek to be wall breakers, bridge builders, divide crossers, and so emulate the Christ you serve. Well, so we come to the end. The famous last words, the swan song. Three things. Faith. Nurtured by a developing capacity to see God's spirit moving among us. Learning to place ourselves fully in God's hands. And trusting that no matter where we turn, no matter where we go, no matter what happens, no matter when the end comes, God is with us. Faith. Hope. Nurture too. By that same discerning of the spirit that's at work all around us. Seeing the spirit at work in the small things. And so knowing that despite our deepest fears, we will not die. God will save us. The future, our future, the church's future, the world's future is safe in God's hands. God's will shall be done, including the redeeming of all creation. Hope and love. Our response to all that we have seen, standing upon faith, empowered and renewed by hope, we seek to be like Jesus, practicing in the congregation, dressing up like Jesus, if you will, learning how to act like our Savior, growing in our resemblance to Jesus, and then following his example out into the world all around us, loving all we meet, breaking down walls, reaching through boundaries and over fences, and in every way proclaiming the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, a love that has no limits, a love that has no end, a love that never fails. Love. Faith. Hope. Love. Now abide these three, Paul tells us. Now abide these three. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest is love. Amen. Amen.